Welcome to the Hopecast. Here, we have conversations on finding life. Welcome to the Hopecast. My Thank name you. is, you're welcome. I'm really glad you're here today, David. Well, I am here and you it, said welcome. So it wouldn't, thank you. it wouldn't be the be same. There. It would truly actually wouldn't be the same without you. literally not be the same without yes. you. A two person show without one, <laughs> With person, one person would missing. be a little bit handicapped. I know, but you, you had Drew stepped in wonderfully and beautifully this summer when I was on leave. So yes. it's possible, but it's fine. We do like to do this together. So you want to know a really healthy thing to realize in life? This is going to make a lot of people bump with what I'm about to say. <laughs> we are all much more disposable than we would like to think. And it, if you can get to the place where that's okay with you, it's actually very freeing. Because mm-hmm. then all the things that you get really torqued about, yep. you're like, you know what? That thing, if that thing's meant to be, it will go on no matter what. So, Yep. You know how many people talk about how like they worked somewhere for years and years and years and then – whatever they retired or they took a new job or something. And like three months later, they walk back in their old office to say hi to folks. And people are like, who are you? Never heard of you. It's no kidding. People say that a lot. Oh, and if you've, I mean, as we all, you know, have are tempted to, I think particularly in leadership, if you have found a lot of identity in that thing, that will be a, that is a jarring, jarring experience. So I was talking with some guys a few weeks ago, in and around this topic. And one of them pulled up this quote from a church, somebody you might call one of the church fathers, sort of a significant historical figure around Reformation times named Count Zinzendorf. So here's his quote. He was speaking to ministers, Mm -hmm. and here's his quote. Preach the gospel, die, be forgotten. That's it. So like, Hey, are you content doing that? Right. That's, well, well that, that's a good little heart test right there. I like how it says preach too, because it's sort of saying, do your part, the part that you've been gifted to do. You're not, you can't be responsible for all of the results of that. Now, of course, we hope that powerful and effective pastoring helps people come to know Christ, but you know. Right. Well, of course, there was layers of humor at the fact that we're all remembering Count Zinzendorf for his quote about being forgotten. (laughs) He somehow lives on through his forgotten quote. Right, right, right. So here's his quote. Don't remember me, (laughs) Count Zinzendorf. Okay, we're remembering your quote that said don't remember you. Well, yeah, I mean, that's it. So thank you for leading off with that wonderful, encouraging concept that you're going to be forgotten. You know what? We should make this a podcast for another day, which is an inflated sense of our importance. Yeah. And we have it more in our day than I think people have ever had who, well, who I, have lived in the history of creation. I'm not I would, kidding. I would say also the secret oppression of an inflated sense of self-importance because I don't – well, that's another podcast for another day. But moving on from that, wow. speaking <laughs> – we haven't been in here in a while. I'm glad I had my coffee. a lot of topics today. Glad okay. I had my coffee. All right, but I'm going to direct us toward our topic for today and okay. for the next several weeks, which is this exciting time at Hope. Um, if you're at Hope, you will know about this. If you're not at Hope but you're listening from somewhere else, you are invited to jump in with us. We have been in a 90-day Bible reading challenge experience. We try to land it in the place invitation. to say it's an invitation. And of course the goal is offer offer. And the goal of the Bible reading is 
to try to read the Bible in 90 days, starting January 1st and concluding on April 1st, which is Easter Sunday. So we love the symmetry of that. And um, it's about 12 pages a day, depending on the format of the Bible you may be reading. But uh, I think I, I don't think you told me this, but somebody told me that Nicole said that about 2,000 of these Bibles that have been formatted for the 90-day reading uh, have been sold at Hope. So that is like way beyond what we even dared to hope. So absolutely incredible. And then the part that we didn't necessarily imagine, but that's been really exciting, is just the language, the people who are reading, the conversation that it starts, those who are, you know, reading for the first time. Our real goal within the goal is Bible advancement. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening and you're like, oh, I missed the boat on that, I can't jump in. You actually could because... Bible advancement, if you haven't read, you know, if you jumped in, I think we'll be in Nehemiah starting next week. If you haven't read from Nehemiah to the end, you can start now and circle back to the middle uh, or circle back to the front. But either way, what we've experienced so far in our community is a lot of people who've read more of the Bible than they've ever read before, even Mm -hmm. now. What are we on third week? And we are now living in what we would call a good tension of engaging with the Bible in a way that might be like, whoa, like I didn't know about that stuff. I didn't know that God spoke that way at that time. And there's a little bit of a tension that's developed, which we love because it's a tension of questions that help with growth. But we want to take the next five or so episodes to address some of those big questions together. And this is a great opportunity to tell you that if you'd like to let us know about any of your questions, you can email me. Um, you can also get me on social media, wherever you want to find me and let me know. And we'll try to address if we can, some of those questions. So we love the spirit of that. We've already received a lot of them, but tell me, David, in your reading so far, what's an insight that you've had that you maybe hadn't seen before? Well, for context, um, I did a full Bible read through when I was in seminary and we had this highly concentrated version and we were doing it in about three and a half weeks. It was the only class you took. That's intense. A, I just it was that. really intense. <laughs> was that like three read, hours of reading a day? No, four? more like six. Oh my goodness. Class was from nine to noon. It's the only class you're taking in a January term scenario. And then I would come home from class try to get, uh, get some lunch, get a little exercise, and then I'd read from like 2 to about 5.30. And then at the time, you know, I was a full-time student. My wife, Elizabeth, was working full-time. She'd get home from work. We'd have dinner together, visit, and by around 7, I would read for about another three hours mm. and then uh, knock it off for the day. And then we had quizzes every day in class on the stuff that we read the night before. So it was intense, Um, but unbelievable experience. So that's the first time I'd read the Bible all the way through Mm -hmm. cover to cover. Now, since then, I feel confident that I've read all the books of the Bible um, again, but in, you know, not Mm -hmm. in sequence necessarily, just as part of Mm -hmm. devotion and all that sort of thing. So this is really only the second time I've now come at it and read the whole thing in, in sequence again. So I, because, because we do what we do and because I, I preach and teach and all that, I do spend a lot of my, um, mental energy in the Bible. Mm -hmm. Um, understandably you would presume that that would be more than a person who's, you know, working elsewhere. Um, 
So lots of the questions, lots of the questions that people are asking that I think are, are great questions, the kind of stuff that you got to cut your teeth on. Um, I've been able to make headway with a lot of those questions. They're on this read through. I've got a few questions that are I've never had before that mm -hmm. are now surfacing. And then I've got some other stuff that I felt like I was always a little sketchy on. Mm -hmm. I didn't quite understand it. And this read through, I knew I wanted to improve on those places. So I mentioned this past weekend, one of the big ones for me that I was always kind of, I didn't quite get it, was the whole uh, history of Israel and the divided kingdom mm -hmm. and the northern kingdom being Israel and the southern kingdom being Judah. Even confusing that it's like a divided kingdom, but one of them's called Israel. You're like, wait, right, right. That's, that's really confusing. So the northern kingdom is Israel. The southern kingdom is Judah. Who's in the northern kingdom? Who's in the southern kingdom? Why did they divide? What were the issues? All that kind of stuff that I yeah. never really understood, and I've got a much better lens on that now. The other thing I did was I printed a copy of the Holy Land in the Old Testament times that showed where all the tribes mm. had settled. And so you've got all the names of these towns, some of these kind of key locations like, you know, Mount Carmel or these types of conspicuous places, and then sort of by color, like maps are done, it shows where all the different tribes settled out. Right. That was hugely helpful to kind of orient me with when it says they went from Gad to Gilboa to mm -hmm. Gath to where, you know, like where are those places and where are all the tribes settled out? Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. So the map has been hugely helpful and gaining better understanding of the divide and the northern and southern kingdom. That's been a big part for yeah, me. Definitely. I think for me, having read it also before, sort of wrestling a little bit more with the question of the cultures around Israel about what God was asking of his people. Why does it seem so stringent? What are the results of that? And it's been interesting when you start to kind of, you can't, you can't pull every thread every time you read it. That's part of what I would want people who are reading for the first time to realize the first time, I don't think you can really pull any thread. You mostly are just trying to get an orientation, but after you've read it, you can say, okay, what am I seeing here as far as God's grace or his faithfulness? And what happens is even as you go along in the books, there's these little moments where another verse comes in. I just realized at the sort of end of second Kings, there's a reminder again of what that culture was like. And here's some more specifics around what that culture was like and why did you, why did God say in the first place you don't want to be part of that culture and then you see it hundreds and hundreds of years later it's still impacting with this really negative you know sense around this culture because of who what was surrounding them so I hadn't seen that mm -hmm. quite as clearly before and that's part of the joy of kind of reading through it again yeah and I think as people are reading it and asking questions and wrestling with stuff there is a massive gap of the way life is, the way we mm -hmm. are, we who are reading this live it, and the context what, that we're reading about. Um, much of the Old Testament stuff we're reading about was happening, uh, you know, 1400 BC. Mm -hmm. And so a modern person who has an iPhone in their hand and has lived with mm -hmm. all kinds of stuff. Um, is trying to read stuff that comes from 1400 BC and understandably having a little bit of challenge with some mm -hmm. of it. One of the things that I, I may have said it before, but I just think it's a very significant part of the old Testament. So you have these kind of call them nation states mm -hmm. and all these peoples in the promised land 
they're all end up they all end with ites or like the ites the canaanites the amorites the hittites the jebusites and all that these are kind of like nation states the closest thing we might have in in a relevant history to us would be like indian tribes okay. in the early formative years of america mm-hmm. right so you'd have the sioux nation mm-hmm. or the cherokee nation or whatever it's not the same but it's a little bit like that mm-hmm. So these tribes might have had, you know, 100,000 people in them, mm-hmm. and they have a chief, and they have a structure, and they have a territory that they consider theirs. And there is periodically warfare among mm-hmm. the tribes, and then there are more peaceful times. It's not exactly like that, but it's like a little bit of a midpoint to to get us from where we are to a time and culture that yeah. a lot of us learned about in school to go all the way back to the Old Testament. Now... So much of what was happening in those days is the way many of these nation states had structured life was unacceptable to God. Mm-hmm. It was a kind of brutality mm-hmm. and a way of um, of just spine-tingling practices that these cultures lived mm-hmm. with. And the one that is commonly elevated is religious practices of human sacrifice Mm -hmm. that were common in many of these um, religions around Israel. Mm. The other one is religious practices that effectively turn boundaryless sex into a religion. Mm -hmm. And so you read about these places where it talks about, you know, shrine prostitutes Mm -hmm. and temple prostitutes and it's so hard for us to grasp, but essentially these would be temples and essentially what they are is brothels, but it's called a religion. Right. And so what you're doing in this temple slash brothel is called a religion. And this kind of dishonoring boundaryless uh, sexuality, mm-hmm. God says, this is by no means what I have in mind. And then this whole other category of human sacrifice. So this is normal. This is happening around Israel. And one way to look at the history is God is saying to his people, we're not doing that. Mm -hmm. I have a vision of dignity and humanity Mm -hmm. that is very different than that. And I'm calling you to live in this vision of of humane, dignified living um, where we value human life, where we care for the weak where the the rich do not abuse the poor, where the strong do not abuse the weak, and so on. I think part of the reason that's hard to understand is because we are kind of the fruit of that culture. So if you read, now I know that's going people are going to have a lot to say about the current state of our culture, but in in reality, in this big scope, when you read God's design for his people— it's almost like it's hard for us to not see that as common sense. We're like, Oh yeah, of course you take care of like a person and you let them, you know, because that's how we've kind of grown up. It is so normative that we can't imagine that life, that every human being wouldn't just naturally do that. When in reality it was revolutionary to the time. And if you just even in sort of a principle of interpretation, as you're reading to think this is like a stunningly different way to live 
we now in 2018 are the result of what this has created, not right. perfectly, of course, but right. the reason we don't have child sacrifices and, you know, these practices was because of that time. That's right. It helps you kind of engage right size where you're engaging it rather right. than being like, why are these rules so ridiculous? You know, the idea is that infiltrate modern ideas of justice, mm -hmm. of the value of a human life, mm -hmm. of uh, caring for the poor, the disenfranchised. Um, this is all Judeo-Christian founded concepts. Uh, respect general, like respect. Totally. Laws. And we might, we might say, but no, isn't that normal? <clears throat> it's not normal. Yeah. The, the moral value system of that day, it was considered completely normal and acceptable for a strong person to abuse a weak mm -hmm. person. It just was normal. It's just life. And, and the person was not considered immoral for it. Mm -hmm. It was considered normal for men who are physically stronger than women to abuse them and violate them. And it, it, it was, it was now they had created more sophisticated systems for yeah. that to happen. But, but the way we look at life today and the way things were happening way back then, it's just so vastly different. So take those huge cultural differences and then take this modern people in most of the U S are not used to not knowing. Hmm. In other words, I'm used to controlling and having full dominance over the realms of information that yeah. are part of my life. So I Google it, I manage it, I, you know, whether it's Instagram, Snapchat, or whatever, right. information is smaller than me, no matter the topic. Yeah. I govern it and I'm bigger than it. Well, now we have modern people, that's the way they think, right. up against a, a, a batch of literature that they're, they're wrestling with that it, I think it feels bigger than me. <laughs> like, I'm not sure I can figure it out. I can't reduce it to an Instagram picture. And there's a lot of wrestling yeah. with this. Modern people are not used to sort of being, quote, smaller than something like this. And so if you take the Bible solely considered a work of art, People who are acquainted with art would never expect to engage some of the world's most magnificent art mm. and um, look at it for an hour and master it. Mm. Like if you considered some of the world's most magnificent art and you, you do appreciate and understand art, you would think to yourself, it would take me a lifetime to appreciate it, mm. right? Call it the Sistine Chapel, call it the Pieta, whatever it is. You would, you might think, I'll go look at it for two or three hours a day, mm -hmm. and I could do that for 20 years and always have fresh, nuanced appreciation of it. That is just not the way modern American people mm -hmm. think, but the Bible is that kind of work of art. So it can be a lifetime of growing into understanding it and appreciating mm -hmm. it. Modern people don't like that. They're like, you're telling me I could consider a lifetime of trying to um, understand, interpret, yeah. learn, and appreciate this, I would say yes. Yeah, and I think that's kind of, you know, as we're closing this, that's sort of, I think, where we can land on this issue of how do I understand this? How do I interpret it? Part of it, what you're saying is, can you go into it with the faith that is bigger than you? So that means that if there's places of tension, it's okay to have that tension. You may not be able to resolve that this go round or even next go round, but that God really does give us insight. And if we place ourselves 
in humility under what he's done, then you can trust that it will come through. So you think, oh gosh, this God in the Old Testament seems vengeful and vengeful and punishing. Well, what if the question is, man, it feels like it's vengeful and punishing. There must be something I don't understand. You know, this is this uh, this Brian McLaren quote that I mentioned a few weeks mm-hmm. ago that a number of people have rebounded back to me. The parts of the Bible that bother me the most represent the places where I have the most learning to do. Mm-hmm. I don't remember it exactly, but that's the concept. Mm-hmm. Um, Right. So, so most of us would be, would be thinking the places of the Bible that bother me the most are the ones I reject most quickly. (laughs) Right. Right. But McLaren's idea is if God is God and if it's possible that he's creator of life and all that comes with it, then when I read something that I don't understand, is it possible that the gap is there's a lot for me to grow with here? Do I not know God? Do I not know the culture? Do I not know the specifics of the story? Mm-hmm. Do I not know, you know, more about what was happening in the day? Mm-hmm. Right. So I would just invite people when you don't understand or you're bumping with something, which is good learning. Right. Be patient yeah. with it. There, there may be a lot more to grow and learn with as you become more and more engaged and familiar with the Bible. Absolutely. All right, that's all we have for today. Once again, if you want to reach out, let us know what you're reading, what questions you have. We will do our best to address them, and we will talk with you all next week. Hopecast is a ministry of Hope Church in Richmond, Virginia. You can find us online at www.hopecentral.com.